Good morning, everyone. So good to see you this morning. What a blessing it is to be together on this Lord's Day to worship God and study from His Word. I want to begin this morning by reading several passages to you this morning. I want to ask you to follow me in the Bible. We're going to go a few different places to kind of set up this lesson. Let's start with some 1 Corinthians this morning. We want to go to 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, please. In 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, we're going to start with verse number 26, where the Apostle Paul says in verse 26, What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? That is, when you assemble to worship God, like we're doing this morning. Each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Go to Ephesians. Let's get some Ephesians in here. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 19, verse 19 says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Remember last week we studied from Colossians. We looked at Colossians 3. Let's go back to Colossians 3 and we look at verse number 16. In Colossians 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, Let the word of Christ Richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then let's go to one more place. There's a Hebrews class going on right now in the big classroom. So we'll go to Hebrews 13 and verse number 15. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15, the Bible says, Through him, through Jesus, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. I want to begin this sermon this morning by asking a question to the members of this congregation, the members of the Monta Vista Church. If you are a member of the Monta Vista Church family, do you love being a, a member of this church? Do you love being part of this church? you love being part of the Monta Vista Church? Church of Christ, you love being part of this church even though it is different. I mean, you know that, right? You know this church is different. In fact, one of the main things that makes this church so different is how we worship. It's how we worship God. You see, unlike the vast majority of churches across the valley and across the state and across the country, when we worship God... We don't use mechanical instruments. We don't use instruments to accompany us in our singing. All we do is sing. All we do is, is sing together as a congregation. The question is, why is that? I mean, why are we so different? Why isn't there a piano on this stage or a guitar or an organ or a drum set? Why don't we have a choir? Why don't we have a band? Young people this morning, how would you answer that question? How would you answer that question? You know, I can remember my grandfather who raised me in East Texas. He was a member of, the, of a denominational church until the day he died. I can remember him always asking me that question. I can remember being a teenager and him saying to me, you members of the Church of Christ, you're, you're just so strange. You're just so weird. You don't worship God with instruments. You actually think it's wrong to do that? 
remember my grandfather saying that to me all the time. And I can also remember when my classmates in junior high and high school found out I was a member of the Church of Christ. They will always say to me, you're part of that church that doesn't believe in music. You don't believe in using instruments. You don't let people in your church use their musical gifts to worship the Lord. I can remember my classmates saying that to me all the time. And since I've been blessed to preach the gospel for the past several years, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've asked, been asked this question by, by Christians, by members of the Church of Christ, by young people who are members of the Church of Christ. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not. Maybe you are. But many members of the Church of Christ today are beginning to endorse the use of mechanical instruments in worship. They're beginning to accept and embrace what is a relatively new phenomenon in worship in churches in America. This is really starting to cause some problems among our young people. This is really starting to cause some confusion among our young people. It is beginning to cause them to ask a lot of questions. For some of them, is even causing them to view this issue as really not a big deal. And all of that really needs to concern us. It needs to concern us a lot. It should cause us to make sure that we have solid answers for why we believe the things that we believe and why we do the things that we do. For those of us who are parents in the room this morning, we especially need to make sure that we are equipped to tackle this issue. Live in a world where the vast majority of religious folks embrace and accept and use mechanical instruments in their worship to God, we need to be able to give a biblical answer for why we don't do that here. We need to be able to do this for our children. We need to be able to do this if we have grandchildren. We need to be able to do this for our neighbor or our coworker who, who may ask us questions after they visit one of our worship assemblies. We need to even be able to do this among the people here who are members of this church and they're not 100% sold on this issue. And I really want to emphasize that point to you this morning. Look, I realize, I realize the kind of audience I'm speaking to this morning. I understand that. I realize this morning I'm talking to people who've been Christians for a very long time. Many of you have been Christians for a long time. Many of you have heard dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of sermons on this issue. Many of you have been hearing this issue, hearing about this issue from the time you were very small. You've heard preachers stand in pulpits and preach on this over and over again. And because of that, it's easy to make some assumptions. It's easy to assume that everybody in this room gets this issue just like you do. It's easy to assume that everybody in this room believes just like you do. It's easy to assume that everybody believes like you do when it comes to this and this issue is mastered and nobody needs to talk about it ever again. It is easy to have that kind of thinking. If you've heard a lot of sermons on this and I wanna suggest that kind of thinking is flawed. It's very flawed. It's actually part of the reason why so many brethren, especially young people, are starting to embrace the use of mechanical instruments in worship. And so for the benefit of not just our young people this morning, but for the benefit of us all, I want us to revisit a very important matter. I want us to revisit a very important issue together. I want us to understand 
what the real issue is when it comes to instrumental music and worship to God and why we don't use those here. In fact, before I tell you what the real issue is when it comes to instrumental music and worship, let me first tell you what the real issue is not. Let me first suggest to you that when it comes to the issue of mechanical instruments and worship to God, the real issue is not about tradition. It's not about tradition. It's not about keeping some Church of Christ tradition. I can remember several years ago when I was doing a, a teen weekend in another part of the country. And on one of the evenings of the teen weekend, a, a young person, a young teenager came up to me and he told me that he did not agree with the Church of Christ's stance on instrumental music and worship because he believed we were, we were not using them because of tradition. He said that the reason why we don't use instruments in our worship is because we're merely just trying to keep a tradition. We're merely just trying to be stubborn. And we got a lot of pride and we're just trying to do what we've always done. We just prefer a cappella singing over singing with mechanical instruments. He told me that he believed that. And let me just ask, is there anybody else here maybe in this room who believes that? Is there somebody here this morning who believes that? If so, then I want you to know something. I want you to know that that's wrong. I want you to know that that's not the issue at all. Here at Monte Vista, we do not avoid using mechanical instruments in our worship simply because that's the way we've always done it here. We don't avoid mechanical instruments just because we don't like mechanical instruments or we don't like the way they sound. In fact, let me, in, let, me let you in on a little secret this morning. I personally do like the way they sound. I like the way they sound a lot. If it was up to me, guess what? If it was up to me. You have a piano on the stage, and you would have a guitar, and you would have a drum set, and you would have an organ. In fact, beyond having a bunch of instruments on this stage, if it was up to me, we would also not have unleavened bread and fruit of the vine for the Lord's Supper, but we would have red robin cheeseburgers and orange soda. <laughs> That's what you would have for the Lord's Supper if it were up to me. But guess what? It ain't up to me. It's not up to me. And it's not up to you. It's not up to any of us because this is not our church. This is Jesus' church. Jesus purchased this church with his own blood. And as people who are members of his church, we're not here to do just whatever we want to do. We're not here just to do whatever pleases us. We're not here just to do whatever we like or just keep some man-made traditions. This issue, this issue of instrumental music and why we don't use them here has nothing to do with us trying to keep some church or Christ tradition and it also has nothing to do with affordability. Affordability, you know, in addition to finding it odd that we don't use mechanical instruments in our worship to God, for some people, they also pity us. Did you know that? They pity us. They say, well, you know, maybe the reason why they don't have a piano and a guitar and an organ when they worship is because they're just too broke. They, they, they just don't have enough money. They can't afford these kinds of things like the rest of us. If they did, if they had a little bit more money, then guess what? They, they would use them as well. A lot of people have said that to me before. But like with the previous point, let me suggest that that's also not true. That's not the issue at all. In fact, the reality is we are very blessed as a congregation financially. 
Here at Monta Vista, this congregation generously supports me and my family, generously supports me and my family so that I can focus on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ on a full-time basis. And this church also supports preachers across this country and across the globe. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but we have a nice air-conditioned building we're in right now worshiping God. And we got two projectors in this auditorium. And we got a nice copy machine. And we got a big screen TV right there in the lobby. And we got a sound system and a great website. And we just expanded our parking lot. We have a lot of wonderful things here that aid us in worshiping God and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason why we have all this stuff is because of money. It's because we have a lot of generous givers here in this church. This issue has nothing to do with tradition. And it has nothing to do with affordability. If we wanted to, we could have a bunch of instruments on this stage. We could buy a guitar, a piano, a drum set, and an organ, and a whole bunch of other stuff. This issue has nothing to do with us being broke. And this issue also has nothing to do with us failing to believe the Old Testament is inspired. It has nothing to do with us failing to believe that the Old Testament comes from God and that it is profitable for us in our lives. Will you go in your Bible, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 29? I want to show you something in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, please. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, this is in the context here. We're reading about the time when King Hezekiah, remember, remember King Hezekiah is one of the few righteous kings of Judah. And he's restoring temple worship in his time. After Israel has spent many years away from God, involved in idolatry, Hezekiah is trying to clean things up. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 25, in verse 25, the Bible says he then stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with symbols. Notice, in the house of the Lord, the temple with symbols, with harps, with lyres, according to the command of David and of Gad, the king's seer, and of Nathan, the prophet, for the command was from the Lord through his prophets. The Levites stood with the musical instruments of David and the, priests of the, and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offering on the altar. When the burnt offering began, the song to the Lord also began with the trumpets, according to the instruments of David king of israel while the whole assembly the whole assembly the whole assembly worship the singers also sang and the trumpet sounded all of this continued until the burnt offering was finished notice how here in this text in the time of the old covenant and the time of king hezekiah the bible says god's people worshiped with mechanical instruments they're using instruments here. There's no doubt about that. We do ourselves no favors denying that. And because of that, you know what a lot of people say? A lot of people suggest that since they did it in the Old Testament, guess what? We should be able to do it today. We should be able to do it today like they did. My grandfather who raised me, who was a member of a denominational church until the day he died, he would tell me that all the time. He would say to me, Sean, there's nothing wrong with, with using instruments when you worship God. The, the people in the Old Testament did it. David did it. Hezekiah did it. You members of the Church of Christ, you guys just don't believe in the Old Testament. You don't value what the Old Testament has to say. I can't begin to tell you how many times he said that to me, but like with all these previous points, that's just not true. It's not true. 
It's not the issue at all. As people who have been baptized for the remission of our sins, and we follow Jesus the Lord, we don't believe in this place that just some of the Bible comes from God, but we believe all the Bible comes from God, right? We believe all the Bible is inspired of God. Like Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, we believe that the Old Testament scriptures were written for our instruction so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. As Paul says in Romans 15 and verse 4, we also believe what Paul teaches in other places in Romans and in Galatians and in Hebrews and in 2 Corinthians and in Colossians. And that is the old covenant was also taken away. And it was fulfilled by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. And it is not binding on Christians. Please go on your Bibles to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, please. I want to just show you one place that I think really proves this. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, and in verse number four, is Paul here is writing to some Christians who were dealing with people trying to bind on them the Old Testament law of Moses and, and, and the, the process of circumcision, the practice of circumcision. And in Galatians chapter five, in verse number one, Galatians 5 and verse 1, Paul says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. He's talking about the old covenant there. Behold, I say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation. Notice this, please. He is under obligation to keep the whole law, the old covenant law of Moses. You have been severed. The word severed is the idea of being cut off. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, the old law, you have fallen from grace. There's a lot we could say about those verses, but for the purpose of this study, look at verse 3. I really want to ask you to notice verse 3. Notice how according to what Paul says in verse 3, you cannot treat the Old Covenant, the Old Testament law, like you do a buffet line at your favorite restaurant. You can't say, I want some steak and I want some shrimp, but I don't want broccoli. I want the instrumental music, but I don't like this part about animal sacrifices and having to stone people who break the Sabbath. Paul says you can't do that. You can't treat the old law like that. Paul says if you, that if you're going to keep the Old Testament law, then guess what? You've got to keep all of it. You've got to do the whole thing. That means that whenever people tell us it's okay, to worship God with mechanical instruments because they did it in the Old Testament. Instead of us going on defense all the time, we need to go on offense. We need to go on the offense and we need to ask them some questions. We need to say, okay, you tell me you believe that, but let me ask you this. When's the last time you offered a goat? When's the last time your church offered some bulls? or some rams, or even some turtle doves. When's the last time at your church on a Sunday, they set up an altar, and they set up a big fire pit, and they cut a goat's throat and watch it bleed out? When is the last time you did something like that? Can you tell me when's the last time you did that? They did that in the Old Testament. I guarantee you that if you ask any of your coworkers or your friends that question, you know what they're going to say to you? They're going to say, we've, I've never done that. 
My church has never done that before. And you know why they're going to say that to you? Because people don't like that part of the Old Testament. They don't like that part. That's disgusting. That's gross. Nobody wants to watch a goat bleed out. But you know what? They like the instruments, right? Don't like these animal sacrifices, but we like these instruments. Paul says you can't do the Old Testament law like that. You can't do that. See, this issue is not about a failure to believe the Old Testament is inspired. We believe the Old Testament is inspired. We believe it came from God. We believe that it was given to a particular people at a particular time, and it was fulfilled and done away with and replaced with a new and better covenant by Jesus Christ. This issue has nothing to do with the failure to not rightly divide the scriptures. And I believe the Old Testament came from the very mind of God, and it also has nothing to do with the failure for us to, for us to be consistent. A failure for us to be consistent. So often in, their, in many people's efforts to justify the use of mechanical instruments, people will say things like this. They'll say, well, it's okay for us to use them because there are many things that we do that God did not tell us to do. The, the New Testament may not mention mechanical instruments, but there are many things we do that God did not tell us to do. God didn't say anything about church buildings. God didn't say anything about songbooks and pews and ceiling fans and PowerPoint and a website and a parking lot. God didn't say anything about those kinds of things, and we do them. You ever heard someone say that before? I suggest there's two problems with that kind of thinking, two problems. First, it's just not true. It's just not true. For those of you who are visiting here at Monta Vista, maybe for the first time, I want you to know something. Here at the Monta Vista Church of Christ, we do nothing that God did not tell us to do. We do nothing without God's authority from the building to the pews to the songbooks to the projectors to the restrooms to the to the parking lot. Everything we do in this place has either generic authority or specific authority from the Bible. And if you want to know more about that, I did a whole sermon about that a few months ago. We do nothing, absolutely nothing, without authority from the scriptures. But secondly, let's say that argument is true, which is not. But let's say they're right for the sake of argument. It still doesn't prove anything. It still doesn't prove anything. You know all it proves? All it proves is both of our churches are in sin. All it proves is both of us are wrong. Two, two wrongs don't make a right. And I'm going to what Paul said in, in, Galatians, in Colossians, I'm sorry, chapter 3 and, and verse number 17. We studied this verse last week. Remember what Paul said in Colossians 3, verse 17, after talking about a cappella singing in verse 16, he says in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all, A-L-L, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. When Paul says there, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, he's talking about do it all by the authority of Jesus Christ. Everything we do has to be by the authority of Jesus Christ. And so if someone says, well, we're using instruments and God without God's authority, and it's okay because we think you're doing things without God's authority, all that proves is, is that we're both doing things without God's authority and we're both in sin. Verse 
That argument does not justify the use of mechanical instruments in worship to God. We do nothing in this place without generic authority or specific authority from the scriptures. And so why I just want you to see is when it comes to this issue of instrumental music and worship to God, these are not the issues. These are not the issues at all. None of these things have anything to do. They have, they have nothing to do, young people, with why we don't use instruments in this place. We don't use instruments in this place, not because we're trying to keep some tradition or we're broke and we can't afford them or we don't believe in the Old Testament or we're failing to be consistent. These are not the issues. Instead, you know what the issue is? The issue boils down to one thing and one thing only. Does it matter how we worship God? Does it matter how we worship God? That's the real issue at the end of the day. And as people who have been baptized for remission of sins, as people who truly want to be part of the church of Christ, the church that belongs to Jesus Christ, as people who really want to follow Jesus as the Lord and the Savior, we believe that it does matter how we worship God. It does matter what we do when we assemble as the people of God. This is a truth the Bible has announced going back to the time of Cain and Abel. Go in your Bible to Genesis chapter, chapter 4. Remember Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve? In Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 3, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, Abel and his part also brought of the first things of their flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, that's his worship, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Notice how here God accepted one brother's worship and he didn't accept the other brother's worship. And if you want me to stand up here and tell you what was wrong with Cain's worship, I'm only going to tell you what the verse says. And that is it doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell you. What the Bible says, though, is whatever he did, it wasn't right. God didn't accept it. He did not accept his worship. Going back to Cain and Abel, we see that it matters. It matters how we worship God. It mattered how Cain and Abel worship God, and it mattered how the children of Israel worship God. Remember Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. What was the first of the Ten Commandments? They were not to worship a what? Can't worship an idol. They can't worship a false god. That was a clear commandment from God that the children of Israel broke very quickly. In Exodus chapter 32, when Moses was away on the mountain under the leadership of Aaron, a golden calf was constructed to represent the God who had delivered them from, from Egypt. And they worshiped that golden calf and God wasn't happy with that at all. God was very upset about that. In fact, if it wasn't for Moses pleading with God, God would have wiped those people out because of that. It mattered how they worshiped the Lord. And then think about the tabernacle and the priesthood and the sacrifices of the priest. All of those things pertain to worship had to follow a very specific plan. They had to follow a very specific pattern and set of instructions. And then remember those two priests, Nadab and Abihu and Leviticus chapter 10. Why did, God, why did God kill them just like that? Why did God 
take their lives on this occasion. Well, the reason why God took their lives is because the Bible says they offered up to God strange fire. They offered up to God some worship that he did not authorize or that he did not approve of. And then let me ask you this. Why did Hezekiah even use those instruments in 2 Chronicles 29? Why did he even use those instruments? Why did he station the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and harps and lyres? Was he just doing that because he wanted to? Was he just doing that because he just liked the sound of those instruments? Was he just doing that because he wanted to do something that David did? Go back to 2 Chronicles 29 and look at verse number 25 because the Bible told us why, why Hezekiah used those instruments. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and in verse number 25, verse 25 says, He then stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with harps, and with lyres, according to the command of David and of Gad the king's seers, and of Nathan the prophet, for the command was from who? You can say it with me. It was from David. It was from Hezekiah. Where did the command come from? It came from the Lord. It came from the Lord through his prophets. That's why Hezekiah did it. This came from the Lord. And here's my question. If God wanted us to do the same thing under the new covenant, why didn't he tell us? Why didn't he tell us like he told them? Why didn't he lay that out very clearly like he laid it out for them? Did God forget? Did he just forget? Did he forget to put it in the Gospels? Did he forget to put it in Acts? Did he forget to put it into, in the Epistles? Does he want us to view his silence as permissive? Give me a break. Give me a break. Just like God didn't, forgive, didn't forget to tell Israel to offer up goats and bulls and other forms of animals. And just like he didn't forget to tell them to do this right here, he also didn't forget to tell us. He also didn't forget to tell us about instruments. If he wanted us to use them, guess what? He would have told us, just like you find right here in 2 Chronicles 29. In fact, Jesus said this in John 4 and verse 24. Remember what Jesus said? God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him how? In spirit. That's from your heart. That's with zeal. That's with passion. That's with concentration from your mind. You have to worship God in spirit and you got to worship God in truth. That means you can't worship God just any way you want to worship him. You can't just do whatever makes you feel good. You got to do it according to God's word. You got to do it according to the pattern laid out in the scriptures. In fact, in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13, Paul says that we ought to retain the pattern. We ought to retain the standard of sound words that have been given to us from the apostles. The apostle John even said that if we go too far and we don't abide in the doctrine, if we just don't stay in the realm of the scripture, we break fellowship with God the Father and his son Jesus Christ. Do you see the point of all these verses? Do you see how all these verses show us that it matters how we worship God? It matters how we worship Jesus. We can't just show up here on Sunday and do whatever we want to do. We can't just do whatever makes us feel good or what we think will draw a big crowd or what will please the majority of people in our society. No, when it comes to worship, worshiping God, we got to always do what pleases God. We got to make sure we always do what glorifies God and what is authorized from the New Testament scriptures. If we don't do that to the best of our ability, we're being arrogant. 
We're being prideful. We're telling God that he doesn't know what's best when it comes to to worship. We know what's best. We know what sounds better. We know what would make for a better worship service. We also demonstrate that our hearts are in the wrong place. We demonstrate that our hearts are not focused on pleasing God. Instead, our hearts are focused on pleasing ourselves. Don't get me wrong. While worship is supposed to be edifying and encouraging and uplifting to the people participating in it above anything else, worship is supposed to be about God. It's supposed to be about Jesus. And so young people understand that's why we do the things that we do here. That's why we take the Lord's Supper every single Sunday. That's why we give of our blessings. That's why we hear preaching and teaching from the word of God. That is why we pray together. That's even why we sing without instrumental music. You see, in the new covenant that has been instituted through Jesus Christ, we find numerous passages, and I read some of them, some of them to you earlier in the lesson. We find numerous passages that tell us to sing spiritual songs unto God. We find numerous passages that command us to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We find numerous passages that tell us to sing, giving thankfulness in our hearts to God. We find passages like that all throughout the New Testament. But one thing we don't find is any passages authorizing singing along with instrumental music. It's just not there. And so when discussing this issue with your friends, with your children, your grandkids, your co-worker, always remember what the real issue is. Always remember the real issue, while we don't use instrumental music and our worship to God, is because we believe it matters how we worship. It matters how, what we offer to God. It matters if we follow the pattern that has been given to us in the testament of Jesus Christ. If that makes us weird and strange, then so be it. We're going to worship God his way, not our way. We're going to please him in every aspect of our lives. We're going to please him in our worship. We're going to please him in our marriages. We're going to please him with how we raise our kids. We especially want to make sure that we obey his plan of salvation. And so if there's someone here this morning, you have not followed that pattern given in the scriptures. You have not believed in Jesus and repented of your sins and obeyed the commandment to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. If that's something you need to do here this morning, we'll be more than happy to help you and serve you in that way right here and right now. Let's stand, let's sing together.